Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Orlando and Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart, with a capital A-R-T. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Hi, Joshua. I love that you're throwing that in there now because that's so true, right? Yes. Like it, from the heart, but it is all about art on this show, which mm-hmm. is so very cool. Uh, so how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Had a good week. Yeah, you did? Well, I started an improvisational class uh, for women this week. That's right, at FAFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Jason's studio at, at Faith Arts Village, Orlando. A great group of women, a diverse group of ages, a diverse group of women, And our goal will be at the end to put together a little workshop that we give and perform at for uh, Orlando Rescue uh, Mission for their women's fair. So I'm doing the paperwork to get us all approved to go in and do a performance for them. But it's a nice way to to end the class with a performance and uh, an act of service. And so how long is the class? How many weeks? Seven weeks. Seven weeks. And And do you have like a different goal for each of the weeks that you're mm-hmm. trying to hit absolutely and what are the things you what do you hope they'll take away besides just a great performance at the end i think the biggest thing is trusting your instincts mm-hmm. and going for it there's nothing to lose Tr- just getting out of your head and trusting where your body wants to take you having fun play mm-hmm. i think that that's what improvisation is all about it's it's about play what we did in kindergarten but there's a gift that it gives you when you're an adult doing it it releases stress it's fun your connection to other people is enhanced even when you're not in class. Mm-hmm. And we'll start to hear that as weeks go on. But the first class was fun. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I've i been wanting for Favo to be used more than just the first Fridays or what. Like, I think it's great that you're using Jason's space mm-hmm. and it's there's art happening. Yeah, I hope more of that goes on there. I hope so, too. I know that there was a, a, someone teaching sewing in one of the studios there. It was, their art is sewing um, costumes. So... I think more and more people are using it, but I certainly am glad to. Mm-hmm. And some of the girls were looking at the work, and I said, you know what? Maybe we'll do a class one week where you each take one of these drawings and you make up a scene about it. And they all got excited, so then so we'll have fun with that. I love that. We're doing some of that with the Arts in Action programs that are meeting in different museums. Um, we're taking the exhibits and trying to incorporate that into storytelling or acting or even some of the singing classes. So that's kind of cool. I like that. Love it. So, you know, we had Gabriel Pricer and Grant Pricer from the opera on uh, a few weeks ago yes. to talk about Cinderella. And I got to see it on Sunday. How was it? Oh, it was just fantastic. Mm. Truly fantastic. And the Philharmonic got to was playing and Eric Jacobson was conducting and they sounded amazing. Truly amazing. The Pew Theater. It makes me so happy when I hear about the arts organizations collaborating that we've mm-hmm. known. It's what they've always wanted. So the, the symphony, the opera, and the ballet, that they're working together. I think it's beautiful. Well, and in this particular case, it's, it's extra special because, unfortunately, you know that we lost um, Orlando Opera. Mm-hmm. They, they folded, and there was a gap for a few years where there was no opera. And so the Orlando Philharmonic said, under David Chilhammer's leadership, we're going to step up and we're going to create opera so mm-hmm. that, that we still have this genre in our community. Community. And so now it's almost like the Atlanta Philharmonic has officially handed back the baton yes. to Opera Orlando, which was a grassroots company that's kind of taken off. 
and said, we're going to be your orchestra, but you're going to be producing the opera again. So it's kind of all come around uh, and it was really great. And the, you know, Grant, who was there, who's Gabe's brother, uh, talked about um, just the set design and costumes that was all under his watch. And it was awesome. Oh, the I costumes bet. were first rate. The talent was great and uh, really, really creative. You know, they just continue to think outside of the box of how to make, you know, opera more accessible. So That's what I love when creative people really have a mind to do something, they find the way. That's true. So mm -hmm. congratulations to Opera Orlando on a great production of Rossini's Cinderella. It was fantastic. Congratulations. I'll be at the next one. Yay. So Mary, I know you are pumped about this show today. I am. You are so excited about our guest. I am because, okay, so listeners, I, I'm maybe a lot of you don't know. I went back to school later in life to get a master's degree and it was in leadership. My sister said, oh, you'll love it. She worked for this university and she said, you'll, I'm like leadership. I'm an actor. Anyway. So <laughs> I went and I, and these two men helped change my life. I see the world differently because leadership is everything and everywhere. And it just made me laugh as I was thinking today, I went, oh my gosh, all the things we studied that great leaders do. It's so you. I mean, I don't know if you two know this, but Joshua, he, uh, what, he's top 50 leaders of Orlando. One well, of 50 the, most powerful, whatever most that means. Most powerful. <laughs> yes, but that's even better. You're like, you have power. And I don't know about that. Top three um, community leaders, top three uh, arts advocate, right? Yeah. Orlando Magazine, top Orla three community leader and uh, arts advocate. And then Orlando Business Journal, top 40 under 40. Yeah, yeah. I've had some cool accolades. Yes, but you have. It but I mean, mean this. <laughs> I think it does. Well, thanks, Mary. Yeah. Well, I, especially with these two here, they know what that means. That means that he's been able to make things happen. And it all started with your laptop in your garage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. It was interesting because I was just having lunch with Pamela Neighbors. She's an incredible uh, CEO. She's a CEO and president of Career Source, which mm -hmm. is one of our largest nonprofits in Central Florida. Uh, she's an amazing leader. I just came from lunch with her. And uh, we were just talking. She was just saying, you know, it's really crazy that you built this out of your garage and I said and, and I said yeah it really did happen that way our first meeting was in the garage and she said well doesn't every good thing happen out of a garage so I don't know it's a good <laughs> question for you guys does every good thing blossom out of a garage meeting I, don't or, know, let's ask I mean the apple was one of those right so well tell us who we have who these two men are all right well Dr. David uh, Sanfilippo and Dr. Matthew Lonham were two of my instructors at Mountain State University where I studied strategic leadership and what I know about both of them is that they have been leaders in their life. I'm going to have them tell you more because I could read this, but I would like them to give you a little bit about what they do. Um, what I can tell you that I know is that they helped shape my life because what I learned is that leadership is everywhere, that everyone at times are leaders. I think one of the coolest books I read in your class was the Be No Do, believe it or not. It was the leadership manual for our services. Mm. But what I learned through them is that the Army um, builds leaders and makes them our military. And my parents were both military. So mm -hmm. there was just so much I learned about how we can make change in the world. And that's what leaders do. Mm. So um, I'm going to introduce them right now to you, who headed our department at Mountain State University was Dr. Matthew Lonham. And Matthew, tell us what you're doing now these days. Well, thanks, Mary. It's great to be here. I am currently an associate professor in the School of Business and Leadership at the University of Charleston, and that is Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> we had to clarify that <laughs> earlier, didn't Always. we? Always. <laughs> and uh, we are still teaching the, the exact same master's degree program that you took and were one of our shining lights in. And 
We also offer a doctorate, a doctor of executive leadership for people who want to go on and aspire to senior leadership positions. But our real bread and butter is what we call the bachelor degree completion program for adult learners who have yet to finish their bachelor's degree and they are the proverbial mid-career professionals who are about to hit the wall or the ceiling or Mm -hmm. however you want to visualize it uh, without having a bachelor's degree. So we bring them in and we introduce them to the field that we call organizational leadership because, Mm -hmm. you know, these folks have years and years of experience doing whatever it is that they do. They don't need us for that. But what we can do is help them with the next 5, 10, 15 years of their career with leadership skills and thinking about leadership and and really learning to practice it. And it's also very similar to the work that uh, uh, Dr. David Sanfilippo's uh, school, National Lewis University, does as well. And, but uh, So anyway, I'm knee-deep in that all the time. Mm, that's it. awesome. And how about you, sir? Well, I'm David Sanfilippo. I'm with uh, National Lewis University, which is actually based out of Chicago. I have the actual pleasure of teaching 100% online. Mm-hmm. So I teach here in Central Florida via the, the Internet and online. Um, and again, like Matt, uh, teaching the different levels of leadership, I specifically focus in the area of healthcare leadership and mm. dealing with health and, and helping people to find you know, uh, best ways, best practices to, to manage healthcare organizations, uh, physicians' offices, things of that nature. But I also, I, I'm sort of a, I go into the um, psychology field too. My doctorate is actually in the area of thanatology, the study of death and dying. Mm. And in particular, I studied uh, the fears of death and near-death experiences. Um, part of this, you know, how do I bring that into leadership? How does well, that's a whole other radio show right, right there. Whole, Goodness, it, I bet you have stories. And, and, well, I, I could go on forever, <laughs> so I'm going to just move back into leadership. Um, the leadership aspect, you know, I use this in teaching about death also uh-huh. is because you know, part of what I'm teaching people about death is how you can make death a positive experience in your life, in others' lives, by mm. sharing your stories. Mm. You know, I, I, I heard a story last night from someone who was talking about somebody who had, who had died and their family never spoke of that person again. Mm. And I think it's important as a, as a, I'm a father and a grandfather, I think it's part of being a leader of my family. It's important mm. for me to, to continue to talk about mm-hmm. those who have gone past because you know native american tradition is that you know you, you share the stories of your ancestors and it's all part of you so you know th- that's part of leadership i think is is telling stories to me it's it's you know not only theory but the practice of theory through telling of stories and and applying everything that you're learning so that it's not just head knowledge but it becomes heart knowledge it becomes mouth knowledge. You know something, Dr. David, we often say that the arts are all about storytelling. Every song, every painting, every dance, it's telling you a story, not just necessarily the way you read it. Yes. And I think leadership is the same thing. It's a story. And really, if you watch the good leaders out there, they're the ones who can build consensus. They build a, a story around it. They share their stories, they share stories of others in order to, to continue to move them forward. Mm-hmm. And, and reinforce the mission. Reinforce mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the aspect of art, painting the picture, mm-hmm. painting the picture of what it really could look like mm-hmm. um, in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. Do you think, think that, and this is to both of you, do you think that leadership is an art? Well, it's really 
both an art and a science. But I think also, you know, what artists do is obviously art, but it's also technique and skill. And so there's a quote kind of science to it mm. as well. And uh, uh, so the short answer is yes, it's mm-hmm. an art and a science. So for our listeners out there who might wonder, what do you teach in a leadership class? What can people learn about leadership that can enhance their lives in your opinions? I would say one of the first things is learn about themselves. Understand yourself. Understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Understand that you can use both of them to lead others. And that a lot of what we do in our classrooms is to <coughs> help, help students to consider what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, how do I apply that, how do I understand that, to be able to see other people's lives and to watch. I think one of the, one of the ways I've learned leadership is watching leaders mm-hmm. and observing mm-hmm. what they do, what they say. You know, as far as uh, you know, speaking publicly and teaching, you know, I spend a lot of time watching other speakers and observing how they present their information and what they go with from mm-hmm. there. What are some practical classes, though, that you would take when you're studying leadership? Well, for example, one of the classes that Mary took in our master's program was a class called the Leadership Challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically directed at trying to understand, you know, leaders essentially are always put in a position with a mandate to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And a Leadership <laughs> Challenge, model the, model the way. Right. Um, in, <laughs> this isn't in order. Enc- encourage the heart. Okay. Enable others to act. Challenge the process, and there was one more. Hmm. All right, help. <laughs> inspire a shared vision. Oh, inspire a shared vision. That's what you do. Hey. That's a good memory, though. Oh, my God, yeah. It's been a couple of years since you did. You graduated, right? Well, so well, we had to read a lot. You actually remembered it. That was a, that, was a, that one and the Be No Do were my two favorite books that oh, we had to read. Mary was quite a unique student. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. I can only imagine. Okay, may I tell you one? All right, we only have one minute. When we come back, I'm going to tell you a moment in class that I'll remember. Okay. Listeners, stay with us. You definitely want to stay around for that, to hear about Mary as a student. I just love this. Join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt, here today with my astute, sagacious, and erudite co-host, Joshua Vickery. And it's a special day for me because I have two of my favorite teachers ever, Dr. David Sanfilippo, Dr. Matthew Lonham, who taught my leadership class, strategic leadership at Mountain State University. So I was just about to tell you about a time in class. I, I will admit that I was a little nervous when I first went back to school. I was an older student, and it had been so long, and there were just books and books. What and caused you to go back to school? I mean, what what was the journey in, like, you know, the, the when you had the idea of maybe I want to go back to school, and then what was that journey like? It was before I met you um, at the American Idol Experience. Okay. The island had closed, so after 18 years of Pleasure Island and Comedy Warehouse, I didn't know what I did. Mm. I was an improviser. I was an actor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought, maybe I'll go into management, which I later learned wasn't what I wanted. But mm-hmm. that's okay. I gave it a shot for mm-hmm. a little while. Because um, management and leadership is are 
don't have to be synonymous. So they told me, and it's very true. <laughs> it's very true. This wasn't a good fit for I know me. great leaders who aren't very good managers, and I know great managers who yes. aren't always great leaders. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and I just, I always loved the leaders in my life, and I was intrigued by it, and my, I trusted my sister to know me enough to, she said, if you'll, you'll like this, and if you want a degree, I think, go for it. So mm-hmm. I did, and... But you talk about leadership a lot. You've always been inspired by leadership. Was there someone in your life that... That kind of you said I want to be like them, or they've they've really inspired me to want to become a better leader. I think so. I think I've been fortunate that I've always been. Well, first of all, both my parents were officers in the military. My mother was a whack. Um, she was sergeant, mm. and my father was retired lieutenant colonel in the army. Mm-hmm. So, and my brother lieutenant colonel in the air force and mm-hmm. pilot. So, I I kind of got leadership from that point of view. But what I learned about leadership in their class is that. Even people who run a household are leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's about taking responsibility and knowing how you can make a difference with your strengths. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about it's knowing yourself. And so a lot of our writing had to do with things that we believed in and just um, realizing that, that I do feel strongly about that and owning it. Mm-hmm. So I think it helped me kind of um, set roots down a lot further than I realized I didn't have. Mm. So it was very interesting. I loved it. Uh, and I took it very seriously. And I <laughs> remember <laughs> one time in class, we were doing this, per- we took this personality typing thing. We took a few of them where we learned about our strengths and our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's little projects, they, we had this big wheel and they had dots in here and here and dots everywhere. And it just, I don't look. And then mine were all in like one area and maybe one here and one here. <laughs> and, one. and I kind of had this freak out moment like, what? what? What's wrong with me? Why What's am I so one dimensional? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have them everywhere. I don't, and then <laughs> Dr. David started laughing. He goes, you're what we would call a specialist. <laughs> What were you a specialist in? Oh, I whatever it was. It was probably the warm and fuzzies area or creative or whatever. But yeah. a lot of the other areas where I would have liked to have been, you know, just give me a dot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And so I would ask the same question to you guys. You know, start with you, Dr. Matt. Why, why did you choose, you know, when you look at the world of business, there's so many different facets of that. Why did you choose leadership? Well, partly it came out of my personal experience uh, before I joined the faculty of uh, Mountain State University years and years ago. And unfortunately, that school is no longer with us. And the University of Charleston picked up the, mm. the thing. And uh, uh, and by the way, Mary, you'd be happy to know that we have a, many uh, service members who are students of ours. And you know, because we teach everything completely online, also they're deployed all over the place. I have a student who just last week came back from a year-long deployment in Kosovo and didn't miss a beat. Wow, mm. love it. Yeah, but anyway, cool. um, uh, I had just finished a, uh, a six-year tour in uh, Latin America as the vice president for a hotel association of their educational side and uh, was thinking about what to do next and get back into academia. And previously, I taught business, but I taught restaurant and hotel management and mm. tourism studies at George Washington University and University of Missouri and some other places. And the opportunity to get involved with leadership studies really appealed to me on a personal level. And one thing just sort of led to the next. And, and so the next thing you know, I was, uh, first I was the director of their campus uh, here in, for the Orlando area, which we sort of overreached and called the Florida campus. <laughs> but, uh, and then later on, I was fortunate enough to join the folks at University of Charleston. And so how long have you been teaching leadership? Since, teaching it really full-time since 2007. I had an okay. administrative role from 2004 till 2007. 
So let me ask you a question, and I want to hear the same thing from you, Dr. David, but you know, there's that age-old question, are you born a leader or mm-hmm. can you become a leader? What would your answer be for that? Leadership is learned. Leadership is learned. And so do you believe people have innate leadership skills or abilities? I call them social skills. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are all things that we learn. Some of us learn them at home, as children, as sports teams, the military, and a lot of different places to learn how to relate to people. But, you know, just relating to people is not really leadership. We package it, we think of it as a discipline, and we call ourselves stewards of that discipline. And we try to construct the various degree programs that we have. If you could see this diagram, it's sort of like Mm -hmm. a stair step of building levels of leadership competencies on top of each other. And, um, but it's definitely a set of skills and things that you or I, and certainly Mary learned them and you've mm-hmm. learned them. And, and most of our students learn, you know, these are things that I can do to, you know, we do leadership because there are people who are leaders and some mm-hmm. people are simply put into leadership positions without the skill set, as you were observing mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. But, but really then, being of service to others too. It's like, right. What do people need and how can I help them get what they need? That's a great question because we have a whole sub-discipline that we call servant leadership Mm -hmm. or a a kind of a Mm -hmm. philosophy or an approach to leadership that started with Robert K. Greenleaf, a retired executive from the old AT&T when it was Ma Bell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, you know, uh, servant leadership is about this desire to serve first and, Mm -hmm. and look after other people. And sometimes the way to do that is through taking on a leadership role hence servant leadership. Mm. And uh, that's one of the things that we teach. Another one David mentioned on a a few minutes ago is uh, Mm self-leadership. There's a whole separate set of ideas and concepts to think about within leadership. And and there are many, many, many. Yeah, yeah. Complexity. That's that's actually a good question. So Dr. David, you know, kind of being a leader is a little bit like a choose your own adventure book, right? Like (laughs) you can have all these different principles and things that you learn. And, you know, there's thousands of books on leaderships with different models and, and ways to do it. But a real leader is able to take those principles and then as they go, navigate and make good decisions and and right like mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of a being a leader is really like a choose your own adventure book kind of it, it, it's an interesting way but I don't know that I ever looked at it that way but it, <laughs> it is know. true that just kind of yeah. came out but that for some reason that makes sense to me that you choose how you're going yeah, to yeah you can take hundreds of different kinds of principles but a real leader can take those and then actually navigate as a leader and, and I I would I would go along with that I think that it, one of the things a leader has to do is be a, very adaptable mm. Because if you try to do the same leadership style for every situation, you're going to have problems. And every audience is different. So how you approach it. And you know, part of, part of what I think a good leader is is somebody who can read other people, who can pay attention to what's needed, mm. find out their needs. You know, I, I remember years ago in my, in my business career, we took a training session called Need Satisfaction Selling. Again, it was put on by Ma Bell, too. And the whole concept of need satisfaction selling is to find out what the person needs and then sell to that need. Mm. And I think in leadership, it's the same way, is that you know, some people need that servant leadership. They need to feel that. Other people need some very strong direction. You know, my, my leadership history came from, I was the firstborn child of mm. four, bo- four boys. So I understand now that I've had kids and grandkids, I understand why my mother was the way she was now. <laughs> Uh, but four boys, and always told, you're in charge, you're the oldest, you're responsible. You know, my dad was a leader in business, so I watched him and I watched how he operated. 
Um, then I went into the military after after living at a Benedictine monastery for high school. I went into mm. the military. Major head shift. But the leadership roles there, watching those leaders who were very directive leaderships. Here's what you do and don't ask why. There's a hill, climb it. Um, I worked in the medical field. I was in the medical side. I was a hospital corpsman and wound up taking up leadership roles there just because that was what I was called to do. Mm. And I think leaders sometimes, they, they may not even be trained up as leaders. They just see the need and they step forward. Mm. And they don't, and, and I think really good leaders don't have to be designated leaders either. Mm-hmm. They're the, the non-designated leaders. Right. And they can be just as powerful, if not more powerful. So if you're the designated leader, you need to be paying attention to who are those non-designated leaders and work with them too to, to, to mentor them on so that the, the, what you're trying to achieve is done uh, collectively. So I, I think that you know, leadership comes, like Matt said, I don't think it, you're born with it. I think you have certain traits mm. that you can build, but you know, leadership and is something that you have to begin to grasp for and you need to, to work towards and find how to refine it. Mm. And to be open to criticism. I think mm. if, you're not, if you don't think critically, you're not going to be a good leader. Mm. I found very interesting in the class not having a position of leadership when you talked about if you, when we had to do a lot of self-serving, where are areas where we are leaders? And then you realize everyone has their areas where they are looked to as show me, tell me, lead me. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge for most people when they take on a leadership position? Believing that they can do it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The number one thing about becoming a leader is deciding to do it. Mm. What and does then, it take to make that decision? Well, I think you have to have a certain amount. You have to feel a need. Like, I can play a role here. I can help my family, my organization, my team, whatever it is, and whatever the context is, to uh, be better. And, and so, you know, it sort of ties back to that notion of servant leadership, maybe not completely altruistically, but, you know, I can help. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And somebody needs to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes it comes from that. But also, like David was saying, you know, organizations, in order to be successful, need leaders at every level of the organization. It's not just talking about the CEO level or any mm-hmm. C-suite people. We need, you know, in my old background in the hotel industry, we needed leaders in the groundskeeping group. We need mm-hmm. leaders at the front desk. We mm-hmm. need leaders throughout the organization, throughout the housekeeping department. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, all the places that you wouldn't necessarily expect to find leadership, it's there. In the mm-hmm. troops. Yeah. Because when you want to inspire a shared vision, it's the people all the way down that are that are running the business that mm-hmm. need to continue um, inspiring that vision that has been set down. So you want to make sure it's clear, and that's then they become the leaders there. Yeah, right. and some like in our organization, some of our best leaders don't have any leadership titles. Mm-hmm. They're they're not the ones with the leadership titles, and you're you're watching them, you know, kind of inspire those around, even those that are above them, mm-hmm. inspiring them through you know their social interactions through their, you know, taking initiative, all of those kinds of things. Would you say that leadership is um, really defined by an in, by the individual? Like you may, somebody might not view you as a leader, but maybe you are a leader in your home as a parent, or is it really defined by how somebody views themselves? You were saying kind of self-leadership, self-reflection. Well, it's defined, you know, partly through how you see yourself, but also how others in the organization see you. Like, are you the one, the personality that people look to for guidance to say, now, should we do this? You uh-huh. know, what should we do next? That kind of 
thing. And what's sh- the textbook definition of leadership? <laughs> Is that even? Can you well, even answer theorist, that? Man, I'll <laughs> let you answer <laughs> that like, one. There's both. so many charts and avenues, and you know, yeah. what's well, the like? Well, leadership. It, starting class right now. Leadership <laughs> is the process of influencing others to want to strive for shared organizational goals. Ah, wow, very okay. good. It's very good. Is that Thank how you, you. Is that <laughs> how you start Leadership 101? It's just saying... Pretty much. Our first class is called The Art and Science of Leadership. And uh, the, the author we're currently using is a fellow named, last name is Northhouse. And this is one of the key points that he makes very mm-hmm. early in the book. Mm-hmm. And you know, it kind of spreads throughout. And so, you know, the vision thing, this is really one of the responsibilities of senior leadership is to create the vision mm-hmm. for the organization about where it's going into the future and to communicate that b- vision all the way through the ranks or the organization so that leaders at every level know, well, this is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So uh, out of good leaders that you've come across or that you know have come across in your classroom or just in your former workforce, whatever, what are some of the characteristics? I mean, there's some that we would all think of, but, you know, confidence or inspirational or whatever, characteristics or traits. Oh, it's time to go already. So so think about that because when we come back, we're going to get to hear that answer. my goodness, that flew by. You guys are awesome. Everyone, (laughs) thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt with Joshua Vickery, and we are talking from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we're very proud today to have Dr. Matthew Lonham and Dr. David Sanfilippo, who are both professors professors of leadership. You wanted to say professionals and and professors at the same time. Yes. I like. We need to make up a new word. <laughs> yes, we'll have to make up a new word. <laughs> I loved it. Um, but we wouldn't be anywhere without the leaders we've had throughout history. And so to understand what they do, why they're important, and how we all show up from time to time as leaders is what our conversation today is based around. So when we left just a little while ago, we were asking the question, remind me one more time. Yeah, about what are some char- characteristics and traits of good leaders um, that you would normally think would rise to the top? First one that comes to my mind is the, the um, capacity to be a good listener. Mm. And why would you say that? Because if you don't listen, you don't understand what the needs are. You don't hear what the your people need. You don't hear what your customers need. Mm. You don't hear what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. And if it's all about you, then you're really not being a good leader. You mm-hmm. need to understand other people's needs. Tell us the difference between listening and active listening. Well, listening, you, you can listen to music. You can enjoy the music. But if you're actively listening to it, it's having an impact on you. It's just not, you're just not listening to it. You're impacting it. You're, you're thinking about it. It's it's taking you someplace. It's kind of like digesting. any art form. It, it you know, a really good piece of art makes you come alive. It, it, it exper- you experience it. I think when an individual listens, actively listens, they're hearing not only what the words a person's saying, but they're hearing the words behind it, what's going on behind it. Mm. You know, Matt and I, as we shared, both of us teach online, so we don't always see our students. So we, we often read what they're saying, and we mm. can read from that. But also, you know, when you're with people, 
and you hear what they say, if you're actively listening, you're also watching those other cues. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're identifying things through, the, through their behavior, through their responses. Mm-hmm. So active listening takes in more than just the words. It takes in what are some of the meanings behind the words or what, you know, what's going on? Because a person might be feeling hurt about something, but yet they're professing these very positive words, but yet you see that hurt behind them. Do you find that active listening um, matures with leadership? Uh, For example, like if you have inexperienced leaders or young leaders, they may come in with the agenda already and and they have all the answers and they have all the solutions because they feel like they might have something to prove. But as you become more comfortable as a leader, you do a lot more listening and then responding. I don't know if that makes sense. It like, does. Like, because I know, I, like, there have been times through my short leadership journey that, you know, in the beginning, I felt like I had a lot to prove, right? I was 23 years old and my first, and I just had all the answers and I didn't care what anybody else thought about it or, or the experience that came before me or any of those things. And now as I'm growing older, I do a lot more listening, right? And then I respond to to that. Do you find that's a seasoned kind of characteristic? Yes. I yeah. think I think active listening is something that you learn, you develop, you continue to develop. I think it also active listening comes from um, getting away from your own ego. Yeah, that's you true know, too. Ego stop and, and all our 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 egos block so much of what's going on. So if you can put that aside and not try to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. but to be an active listener, be a participant. Let the people you're leading know you're listening because if they don't think you're listening, then they'll follow you because they have to. Can you have a big ego and still be a good leader? If you can keep that ego under control. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Can you give us an example of someone who isn't able to keep it under control? Uh, well, I imagine the the, uh, <laughs> the tabloids are names. rife with leaders. Just uh, go to any <laughs> news station right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, actually, what I was thinking while David was talking is that in addition to the physical skills of leadership, like listening, there are also conceptual skills like visioning. And uh, it reminded me of another quote I'm very fond of, and that is, the best way to predict the future is to invent it yourself. And you know, this ties to the inno- creativity and innovation aspects of leadership and moving yourself and your organization and your team forward toward some shared destination. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is just as important as, and comes a lot of times from skills like listening. But there's also the conceptual piece that uh, you know, trained leaders like Mary, you know, are, are very familiar with and, mm-hmm. and, you know, become good at and better at as time goes by. So it's uh, 11 o'clock, 1130 on a Sunday night. And those of you who listen have had long weeks. You've had long days. A lot of you are leaders. This has got to be something you address in your classes. How do leaders combat burnout? How do, how do they stay fueled and uh, on top of the game and all of those things. One of the first things I'd suggest is turn off the phone. Mm. Easier so, said than done, easier though, right? Easier said <laughs> than done, and, and commercial, you know, the, the commercial industry keeps you to it because you, know, you get a new TV set and you can turn the channels from your phone. Mm-hmm. But I think leaders need to take downtime. If they don't have di- downtime, they can't recharge. Mm-hmm. So you know, feel like it's okay 
because really, the in my opinion, the sign of a good leader is how well the organization runs when you're not there, mm. not how well it necessarily runs while you're there. So if you've done a good job about setting up your leadership team and you're setting up your organization, it'll run. So you can take a break. Don't, mm. don't burn yourself out because then you're no good as a leader. And sometimes that's you feel the opposite, though, right? Like you feel like um, that you, as a leader, that you, if you're not around, things will just crumble, right? So it's kind of like an inflate to ego when you can say th- that I can walk away and they can do fine just without me, right? right. There's something that you want to be able to say, mm-hmm. and I've experienced that through our organization as we've as we've been growing. That it was almost like an insult that if I could walk away, they would be fine just without me. Right, but think about the problems inherent in, well, I have to work 60 to 80 hours a week Mm. because this place is going to fall apart without me. Have you really been a good leader? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a big part of what we talk about, uh, especially the graduate level, is succession planning Mm -hmm. and uh, leadership self-care, wellness, and, you know, being able to do the work and put in the time that needs to be put in, but, you know, also working smarter, not necessarily harder. Mm. What, what would be some like practical tips that you would give Dr. Matt? Like you said, turn the phone off, right? Which I think that's, gosh, that's really hard to do, but it's so, it's true. What, what would be something practical you would say to leaders out there? Well, you know, tap into the energy source that is your followers, the people who have signed on to, for one, you know, whatever their initial reason was, for one reason or another, to be with you, part of your organization, part of your mission, and, you know, when you are, you know, thinking, gee, I'm a little burned out, I, I need a vacation, mm. you know, get energy from the people who are looking to you for leadership because one of your jobs is to bring them along as, you know, future leaders themselves and, and so that, you know, you can walk away, you can go to the Virgin Islands for a week or so, and things are not going to fall apart. And mm. you do that with your team. I see you do that. I try, but you know, it's a journey. It really is. It's mm-hmm. a, like, it's, I think that's why I came with the choose your own adventure. Like at the, the journey I'm on today is different than I was on six months or a year ago. And the way that I lead is different and, and all of those things. So it's definitely, it's definitely a, a, a journey. Mm-hmm. Mary, what would you say after being under these two wonderful guys, how are you different now? Not just as a leader, but as a person, well, you I, said you view life differently. That's what you said in the mm-hmm. open. I'm curious what you mean by that. Well, uh, that, we all make an impact and that a, a title doesn't necessarily make you who you are. It's what you do. I have more confidence as a result of it because um, something Dr. David said today, it's about learning yourself. So we had to constantly write journals all mm. the time and it was a lot of reflecting mm-hmm. and a lot of your reflection was on the impact you had on people. I never really realized how many people look to me for certain things. Mm-hmm. It was just natural the way I operated. I never looked at it from outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the confidence has happened. And now that I know that I do have influence, I take responsibility and mm-hmm. look at how I can make a difference for good mm-hmm. in people's lives or in a situation. Mm-hmm. And without people even asking, sometimes without people even knowing, but I get a sense of satisfaction from that. And that's what I got from your cost. That's really cool. And I love that they're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you said uh, in the opener, you said that that I was just a performer and an actor for 18 years and I need to find out what next. And I think part of that self-exploration was that you weren't just an actor, performer. You've always been a leader. I worked with you at Disney and people really look up to Mary and without, and I think a lot of it just has to do with her characteristics. 
she's honest and full of integrity and you're a creative thinker and all of these things that are part of being a leader, you've always had that off the stage. So I think when you said I was just a performer or actor, I think part of this leadership degree has helped you kind of self-explore that you weren't just an actor. Right. Yeah. You've always been a leader. That, yeah, it was, it, I, I got that. I so did. that compared now with the confidence that these gentlemen gave you, you've been able to create all these new opportunities like TV shows and talk shows and classes. and A lot of things I've always wanted to do, I'm doing. Hosting panels at the library on the art of conversation, <laughs> yeah. all these things, right? Yeah. Uh, these days I have the confidence to take the risk. If I want to try something, I'll put it out there and, and just trust that people will come and people come. So... Yeah, mm, that's very cool. So, um, Dr. Matt and Dr. David, how do people, if they want to learn more about leadership, what are their, it, first of all, you should tell us how they should come and can learn from the two of you if they want to come back and get a degree, a bachelor's degree, master's degree. But if they don't have the time to maybe do a whole degree program, what are some resources that you would suggest books, articles, websites that our listeners can go to? Well, of course, first and foremost, I would suggest the uh, website w- ucwv.edu. There you go. Plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> or, of course, nl.edu. But outside of that, outside of the academic uh, degree programs, there are any number of excellent leadership books out there. Uh, there's one called uh, Clever. I think it's Daniel Pink might be the author oh, yeah. about like you know, leading, how to lead very intelligent people. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's that's a, a good place to start. And, you know, even some of the books that we've used, Mary mentioned Bino Du, General Shinseki, along with uh, Francis Hesselbein, wrote that book that really sprang out of the old Army Field Manual I know, um, for leadership. <laughs> and, amazing. Uh, I need to get these titles. And, and well, I remember reading that in the same rules that applied to a good improviser, provide to a good soldier and a mm. leader. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. No, the, the the leadership challenge is a good book by Kuzis mm-hmm. and Posner, and uh, I could recommend the seven hundred page tome, the Sage Handbook of Leadership. <laughs> <laughs> seven hundred pages. Our doctoral students read that thing nice. in about three weeks. Wow. Yeah, we had a lot of reading, a lot of writing. Ooh. And for those who are not into reading as much, I would say you know first thing when you ask that TED Talks. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, excellent resource of good. Good uh, resources, and that you can do. That's a, those are podcasts and on like videos on yes. YouTube. There's all sorts of ways. And you also, can... TED Talk has a whole uh, library of leadership TED Talks. Right. There's Simon... actually an app, isn't there? You can download a tech TED Talk app, I think, and be mm-hmm. able to. That's cool. Simon Sinek, S I N E K, yes. is mm-hmm. one of the prominent yeah. TED producers, performers, uh, uh, presenters, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. on the area of leadership. Uh, Patrick he, Leo you know, how do you say? Five dysfunctions of a team, and the, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys? Do you guys use yeah. any of his books at all? Yeah. Yes. Cool. Doctor David, you showed us a um, Simon Sinek video, a TED Talk, and I remember him giving the line: "People don't care how much you know; they care about how much you care." Yes. I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing yes. that, but um, I, I I love that because it's true. When someone believes that you care about them, they're more inspired to want to be a part of whatever than if than just showing off how much you know. Sure. I think, you know, for another thing about leaders is you have to lead by example, mm. you know, and you have to always remember, I think as a leader, you always have to remember you are an example and therefore live your life, demonstrate that leadership through the example that you are. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, being an authentic leader, you know, being a transparent leader, if you try to always pretend like you have it all together and you have all the answers, people can see right through that. But some, I feel like some of my greatest leadership moments have been times where I've said, guys, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I don't know what to do here. Let's, let's work together. Let's, let's come up with a solution together. I think that's when my team has gone, wow. You know, it's an edict from on high is one thing, right? But like sometimes just being authentic and transparent and saying, I'm having a rough day or I'm, I'm not, I'm not on top of this. You know, I think that kind of transparency is really important to leadership. You're human. Yeah. That you're Mm -hmm. human, right? Mm -hmm. I think people want to connect to the fact that you are, Mm -hmm. Yes, you are my leader, but you're also uh, a person. One of me. Yeah, one of me. So. Which may also inspire leaders who are sitting there who don't realize they're leaders. That's right. Be inspired. That you oh, don't have to have it all put to together right. to be a leader. That. We're almost out of time. No, we can't be. We're getting the one. <laughs> really? Well, first of all, we need to have you guys back and talk more about, about some of this. I want to get into the whole death and dying thing. Goodness, that's a whole other radio show. The art of death and but dying. But you guys <laughs> should have, you, you guys should do a podcast or do you do something already that is accessible to people? Well, we record every class that we teach already. Okay. Well, we should figure out a way to get them to talk more about leadership. Let's, let's this do it again. Fun. We'll have part two. We'll have Rob with us, too. Part I think two. Rob oh, would love Rob this. would love mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for coming you on the much. show. For sure, we appreciate it. You're, You're here. welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Absolutely. Mary, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to meet two of your mentors mm-hmm. and two gentlemen that you respect very much. Well, that makes three of you today. <laughs> <laughs> Join us back next week on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.